So you're no dope. You go with the winner. You become a black conservative, a gay conservative, a poor conservative. Invite yourself to the party and sit at the back table. They'll get to you sooner or later. Carve out a little corner for yourself and to hell with everybody else. You've got dreams of your own. If you feel a little pang of conscience for the friends and family you stepped on to get where you are, eat something, drink something, snort something, buy something, anything. Because we need you to buy things. And all this weaves through my mind at night as I dream my cop dreams. I'm stepping blind in this bricked-up department store, a shopping graveyard, dark and booby-trapped. My mouth is pasty dry. My eyes burn from the fumes of home-cooked crystal meth on the fire. Suddenly Rachel's with me. She's supposed to be safe and separate from this. And the building isn't gimmicked to keep people from getting in. It was easy to get in. Anyone can get in. You can never leave. We can't get back the way we came. We can hardly see, save for cracks of light. My foot goes through a floorboard. Rachel cries out and grabs me. Snakes wrap my feet and I shake them off. Any step could send us plummeting through the floor. The building is crumbling, the wrong time to visit him, a trapped, wounded animal, and the wrong night to bring a date. I might feel the cold of a gun barrel at the back of my neck, or not feel it, not see the bullet coming. No sooner do I think that than suddenly he's behind us, and I whip around, draw my weapon in slow-mo, and fire, and my bullets spit from the chamber, one, two, three, and fall flaccidly to the ground. And he's facing us down, and I realize too late that the guy I thought I trapped, trapped me. He's the cat. I'm the mouse. I'm weak and helpless, helpless to protect Rachel or even myself. And he's smarter than me, because he's high on the best stuff, and he's motivated by greed, and greed trumps justice, and greed trumps vengeance even, and greed trumps love. And I trade my thirty-eight for a flashlight and a way out, making bargains I can't make, like, please, God, please, 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 God, just get her out of here alive. Part One Sweet Virginia Tuesday, January 15th, 1991, 10.45 p.m., Lamar Boulevard, southbound. Reuben watched Jennifer as she breathed in and out through her mouth, puffing clouds on the car window, stripes of light wiping over them from the bright signs of stores and restaurants, past gas stations and convenience stores, past the gloomy horror of the state hospital. Are you warm enough back there? Yes, Mom, he said. Jenny said, Yes. Their mother kept a woolen blanket in the back seat for these times. Chilly nights on the way home from movies or restaurants or city council meetings, when the heat didn't reach the back seat. Reuben and Jennifer sat buckled up in back with the blanket pulled up over their legs as Mom drove and listened to the radio. Was inaugurated today under the cloud of impending war, the second female governor in Texas history and the first since Ma Ferguson left office in 1935. 
Meanwhile, the president's deadline passed for Saddam Hussein's withdrawal from Kuwait. A White House official was quoted as saying, Only a miracle can prevent war now. In Austin, local churches rallied for peace. Their mother whispered to the radio, Talk about the meeting. Talk about the meeting. And Jennifer turned to look at Mom. Baby round cheeks, lips pursed in a curious expression, as if to ask, What's that? What's next? But how can you explain that to a little girl? Reuben was old enough to know that something was next, and it was always bad. Mom? he asked. Is there gonna be a war? Yes, baby. Will you be drafted? No. He turned the idea around. Will I?